the Bible with Brother Barry Hill. In today's episode, we discuss the importance of gathering together to worship. Today's episode was recorded live at Winrock Baptist Church in Abilene. Nehemiah chapter 8 is, uh, when you get to studying on it, it's, a, it's, it's pretty interesting as to the timing of how and when that this chapter falls into the narrative. See, last week, when we were in chapter 7, we were beginning to uh, see the completion of the wall that Nehemiah had been built in on. And so you, you kind of expect to see uh, the continuation of that where they finish that in the narrative. But all of a sudden, chapter 8 is something completely different is happening, something completely different is going on. And most of the commentators, well, I'm saying most because I couldn't couldn't find one that would say anything different, was that, well, starting in chapter 7 out through chapter 12, that it's just not in chronological order because it doesn't make sense. Well, in, in my mind... I don't see any reason why it would have to be out of chronological order. Because when it's time to do something, it's time to do something, isn't it? And chapter 8, it was time to gather together and read the Word. It was time to gather together to have preaching. It was time to gather together to learn about the Lord and hear the application that he wanted to make in each person's life. And that's why we're here this morning. When it's time to be in God's house, and it's time to read the Bible, and it's time to study, it's time to do it. It doesn't matter whatever else was going on. I got up this morning, and I looked out, and my cows were supposed to be in the back pasture back there. I put them back there because I don't have to worry about them and all that. And I looked, and they're in the front pasture. Well, folks, there's fences between the front pasture and the back pasture. And they're not supposed to be up there. And so I step out on the porch to look, and there was eight dogs out there chasing my cattle through the fences and trying to get baby calves, and it was, it was a wreck. I didn't have time for that this morning. So I got my gun and I discouraged the dogs from what they were doing and I left the cows in the front pasture and hopefully they'll still be there when I get home. So, you know, but I told Tammy, I said, well, I'm not going to let the devil win this morning. The fences and all that stuff, it'll just have to wait, I guess. I think it'll be okay. But it's, it's time to do this today. And when you look here in chapter 8, that is what is going on. He says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. So here's Ezra, and and here in this chapter he's identified as a scribe, and I'd say a, a chief scribe. Because other people only mention cursory, and you think that they didn't have much part in what's going on, but they did. Everybody mentioned here had a great 
part in what was going on here. But it said it gathered all the people by the water gate, and Ezra the priest, because Ezra wasn't just a scribe, he was a priest, he was descended from Aaron. We can trace Ezra's lineage all the way back to to Aaron, the Levitical priest line brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. So everybody came together. Everybody that could hear with understanding. If, 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 if it was a little kid, but he could understand what was being said, he was there. If they were an old person, and they could understand, they were there. It didn't matter. God said, bring everybody in of my people, and we're going to read them the word. And so they brought them to a specific place for a specific reason. And that's the same thing that we're here this morning. We're in a specific place, and we're for a specific reason. The world tries to tell you nowadays that it doesn't matter. You can worship anywhere you want. But that's not what God said. God said, gather everybody here together. And you say, well, it doesn't exactly say that. Well, I'm going to show you where it says it. It does say it. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before men and women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. When God's talking, you need to listen. And Ezra the scribe stood upon the pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood uh, Matiathiah, and Shema, and Anani, and Uriah, and Hilkiah, and Masariah on his right hand, and on his left hand, Pediah, and Mishael, and Malchiah, and Hashem, and Hastadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above the people when he opened it, and all the people stood up. So you want to think that a, that a pulpit is more of a modern invention, that they get people up on a stage, but it wasn't. They built a wooden platform before the water gate so that these men could all stand up here and they could all teach and preach to the people. And help them to understand what God had for them. It's important that we gather together to do that. God expects us to do that. And you notice he told them to go in a particular place. See? And here's how it started out here in verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. They were sitting around waiting for things to start. They were sitting on the ground. And when Ezra opened God's word, everybody stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, lifting up their hands and bowed their head and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They were giving homage to God and His Word. Folks, God's Word is holy, and it deserves our respect. 
It deserves our adoration. It deserves our love. Because this is the thing that God gave to his people. You've heard a lot of preachers say, hey, this is God's love letter to his people, and it is. God is telling us the things that we need to know in this book. You need to know what's in here. This book says that every jot and tittle will be adhered to in this book. I think people forget that. People forget that. They try to change the Bible. They try to change the jots and the tittles, don't they? To suit them and what they want to do. They try to say, well, this is, this is all metaphoric, you know. This didn't really happen like this. But, it, you know, it has a, this different kind of meaning. No. <laughs> it means what it says. When God says something, he means what he says. But after they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord, it said, with their faces towards the ground. Then you see where all these these other men, it wasn't, you think everybody's just standing here if you just kind of cursory read it, and Ezra's just reading the book. But that's not exactly what happened. Ezra would stand up as a scribe who had the book because, hey, back in this day and time, everybody didn't have a Bible. You know? That's hard to imagine sometimes. But folks, we're blessed that we have the ability to have a Bible in America. There's a lot of countries you ain't supposed to have one. Still, today, there's a lot of countries where carrying a Bible down the street will get your head cut off. They don't allow it. These people gathered together to hear God's Word, and Ezra would read it, and these other priests would preach and teach about the word. That's the context of what was going on. I mean, I, I, I've been to a lot of revivals. I don't recall ever being to one like that, you know? I don't recall being to one where guys just get up one after the other and preach and teach like that, and people standing the whole time while they're doing it. Basically, for about four hours, they stood and listened to God's Word. You know what the average time is nowadays that people pay attention in church? Twelve minutes. Twelve minutes. That's the average time that, you know, that most people can pay attention and follow. The government spent all kinds of money to figure that out. You know, I believe it. Folks, the devil comes in the church. He tries to get your mind to wander in here, too. He'll sure do it. So now, let's let's take a look here for a minute at what exactly is going on. So why did they meet at this time? They've been building the wall. They about got it all done. Then over in uh, chapter 12, they start the dedication of the finished wall, and you're thinking, why don't we have this breakup? Why don't they start now? I told you it was because it was time to listen to God's Word. It was time. That's why they were doing it. And that's me. Everybody else will tell you something different, but I'm telling you that's, that's what I see here. I see that they've been working and doing 
And they looked up and they said, it's time to do it. Now, what time was it? This is the festival month here, and, and it tells you when it, when it happened. Now, let's, let's look, because I think it would, it would bear us reading. Turn over to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 23. Yeah. 23 in verse 23. And this is where the this is where and why Ezra was doing what he was doing. Leviticus 23, 23, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speaking to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, ye shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, also on the tenth day of this seventh month, thou shalt be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your soul and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people." So here we have God telling Moses on the seventh month, on the first day, this is what we're going to do. And that's what's going on here in chapter 8. They gathered themselves together as one man, and they spake unto Ezra the, and, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of the Moses to read to them, because folks, it was time to do it. It was the first day of the seventh month, and that month is Tishri. Now, this don't make much sense to me and you because our calendar that we follow, the first day of the new year is the first day of the first month, which is January. But in the Jewish calendar, it's the first day of the seventh month, which is Tishri. And on that day, every seven years, in the seventh month, on the first day, the people are supposed to gather together and listen to the law of the Lord being read. And when it says the law of the Lord, that is just another name for God's word. In Psalms 119, David tells us in so many different ways, the number escapes me. I think over a hundred different ways. David describes God's word. He calls it law. He calls it commandments. He calls it the word. He calls it so many different ways that he describes it. So when it says the law, and a lot of times people think, well, they just reading the instructions, you know. 
what are you supposed to do on this day and what are you supposed to do on that day? No, they were reading it all. And they were preaching about it all. You know? I mean, can, can you imagine we're going we're gonna to have a church service and we're going to get, you know, how many was it? Six on one, so 14 different preachers. And we're just going to we're going to preach through the whole Bible in a day. Can you imagine that deal? You can't imagine it, can you? But that's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. And they were doing it on that day because God said, this is the day you do it. It don't matter that the walls are done. It don't matter that there hadn't been dedication. It don't matter that everybody hadn't come back into the city yet because it says that people came from everywhere, doesn't it? They brought them from everywhere together because it's time to listen to God. When it's time to listen to God, folks, it's time. He told them to come into a particular place. That Deuteronomy, that, uh, where we find that seventh year, which I neglected to give you the uh, reference to that, but that's in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Let's look at that, because that's, that's interesting. All this has to do with what's going on in Nehemiah chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, in verse 9, explains it a little bit more. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the feast of the tabernacles, when all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose. Okay? God tells us where we're supposed to worship. Thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. All those people of God's seed are to come and to listen to God's word. Deuteronomy 31. Did I not say that? I said one? No, 31. Y'all are not reading my mind. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and starting in verse 9. And Moses wrote this law, in verse 9, and delivered it to the priests and the sons of Levi. So here's that instruction given by God, and he tells them to come into this particular place, and they're going to read this word. In verse 10 it says, And every seven years at the Feast of the Tabernacles, verse 11, When all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, and thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within the gates, that they may hear and that they may learn. Because you remember, they were teaching it too. They can hear, they can learn, and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. A guy tells me, I, you know, I worship God out on the lake. You know, I can worship God on the lake, same in here. Can you do everything that it says right there on the lake? While you're fishing? I don't think so. 
I've had people tell me, well, I can do it in the park. I, I worship God just going down the highway. Yeah, you're supposed to worship God in your heart 24-7. But you know what? God said at a certain time, you're supposed to come into my house. You're supposed to listen to my word, and you're supposed to learn it. That's what he said. It ain't just about paying lip service. It's not about just warming a seat. It's not about any of these things. It's about coming and worshiping the creator of the universe and listening to his word and applying it to your life. And that means that you've got to come with the attitude that I'm going to come in here and I'm going to learn something. Okay? I'm going to learn something. Why do people get so offended to say they don't know something? You know? I learn stuff every day. I learn stuff about, I, I don't know everything about this book. I don't know hardly nothing. I learn stuff on the way to church about this book. I learned stuff about it when I was studying yesterday and last night and this morning. I learned stuff. And guess what? I've read it a hundred times before and I'll read it again and I'll learn something else. Because God said that's what we're supposed to do. I'm learning while I'm standing here with y'all. I see things that I didn't see before. But the devil is the one that don't want you to gather together. The devil is the one that don't want you to be where you're supposed to be. The devil is the one that don't want you to listen to God's word. And that means you need to be where the truth's at. Okay? God told them to gather in a specific place. You know why? Because that's where the truth was. Verse 13, And that their children which have not known anything may hear. Bring your little kids that don't know nothing. Folks, raise them in church and raise them in the truth. Catholics will tell you, give me your kid until he's seven and he'll be a Catholic from now on. Okay? There's a lot of truth to that. Kids learn what they learn when they're small and they're impressionable. Jewish children, by the time they were seven, could recite the first five books of the Bible by heart. And nowadays it's great if we can get a kid to listen to one memory verse and remember it. It's a whole lot easier to listen when you're a kid. That's what it says right here. That their children which have not known anything. They haven't known anything. Bring them so they can learn. They may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as ye live in the land whether ye go over Jordan to possess it. They spent all this time in the wilderness, but God said, man, it's time to stop. It's time to listen to the word. It's time to teach the children that they may learn the fear of the Lord. Folks, we need to teach our kids to fear the Lord. There's not a thing wrong with that. Well, we shouldn't scare them. You need to teach them the fear because you know what, folks? Fear begets respect. I learned to fear God when I was little. And I still fear Him. But I respect Him. How many of you had a mom and daddy you was a little scared of? Does that mean you didn't respect them? Does that mean you didn't love them? No, that's not what it means. Fear begets respect. And folks, love is a part of all that. 
when you're talking about God. If you fear God, you're going to stay on God's good side, aren't you? If you're on God's good side, you're going to get blessed, aren't you? So you tell me what's bad about that. But I've heard some of these New Age preachers say, well, we need to take fear out of that because God's just about love. This this, this, uh, Old Testament God is not the same as this New Testament God. And Malachi says, I'm God and I change not. He is the same God, folks. And if you read in Revelation, you'll see that Old Testament God again in the future. Okay? Yes, you need to fear God. It's important. Not a thing wrong with that. If you fear Him, you'll be more apt to believe what He says. That's what I think. So, He said, gather all my people in the gate and read my word. If they're little kids and they hadn't known anything, if they're big enough to understand, bring them. Let them hear it. Let them understand. Tell me that God doesn't think it's important to get your kids in church. It is. It's very important. It's important to get them in the right church. What's the right church? Where they preach and teach the word. The truth, folks. Not just whatever Bible there is. If there's teaching out of some of these new translations that take out the blood, they take out the power, they take out the deity of Christ, they take those things out, you need to chunk them things in the trash. And you don't need to get your family, don't need to be there. They don't need to be there. Not at all. I mean, the devil loves compromise. He loves tolerance. He loves all these things. Yeah, I know the closer it gets to the Lord's appearing, the harder these things are going to be. But folks, if you fear God, like he says, you're going to purpose in your heart that you're going to do these things for your children, for your family. Men got a special responsibility to ensure that their family is being taught the truth every day, every Sunday. Out of God's word, not a book that has some of God's word in it, you know. But that's what gets taught today. That's what gets showed today. I saw the other day they're coming out with another new Bible like we need that, you know. Man, we're having a hard time with this one. I don't think we need to start a, a new one to try to figure out nothing about it. Everything you need to know is in this King James Bible. Now, it was interesting that, but if you study on this here in Nehemiah, it says they gather at the water gate, doesn't it? If you try to study where this water gate is, well, you can't find it. There's not a historical reference to a water gate. Except here. But I mean it doesn't tell you exactly where it is. And so. All these commentators. uh, And see I don't read commentators. For the same reason that other people do. Most people read commentators. uh, To tell them what. They should be getting out of something. But commentators make me study. 
you know. I read what a commentator says, and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if he's right about that. And we'll go look. And that's, and, and I very rarely find one that I can use very much of what he says. And the reason being is most of them, and I mean, I, I've got some men that I'm acquainted with, and I've got a lot of respect for them, and they got PhDs in theologies, and I, I think they're great. But a lot of them, they just repeat or regurgitate what they were taught in seminary, okay? This is what my teacher taught me. Folks, you should have enough faith in this book that you don't need to believe everything that a certain man says. You don't need to believe everything I say. You need to take what I say this morning, and you need to go home, and you need to crack this book and say, well, Brother brother Barry was right about that, okay? And nothing will bless my heart more than for somebody to say, hey, I went home and I studied this, and, and I don't quite agree with you about this, and, and show me something. Folks, i I got to learn stuff too. I do. We all do. And we should all help each other. You see what I'm saying? But they say, you know, this Watergate, you just have to guess about where it is. But when I search the scriptures, I find where God says his people are supposed to gather together. And I have an idea why you might refer to this particular spot as the Watergate, even though during Nehemiah's time it didn't have nothing to do with water. Let's look at uh, Ezekiel chapter 46. I don't know I don't know about y'all but man when I read the book of Ezekiel it just makes it just makes goosebumps go down me. I mean it's just it's just such an amazing book of the things that that God tells us that so much so much prophecy and fantastic things happen. But in Ezekiel chapter 46, make sure I give you the, the right to verses. Ezekiel chapter 46, starting in verse 1. And let's look at this and see if y'all don't think that, that, that it might be talking about that water gate that it did in Nehemiah. Ezekiel chapter 46 and verse 1. Thus saith the Lord God, the gate of the inner court that looketh toward the east shall be shut the six working days. This is the inner court of the temple. And I'll I'll tell you some stuff about this in a minute. But on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and in the day of the new moon it shall be opened, and the prince shall enter by the way of the porch of that gate without, and shall stand by the post of the gate, and the priest shall prepare his burnt offerings and his peace offerings, and he shall worship at the threshold of the gate, Then he shall go forth, but the gate shall not be shut until the evening. Verse 3, Likewise the people of the land shall worship at the door of the gate before the Lord in the Sabbath and in the new moon. Now isn't that what's going on in Nehemiah? Aren't they worshiping in the Sabbath and the new moon? Isn't that what's going on? And they're at this particular place, and they're calling at the water gate here, and you're saying, well, Brother Barry, it don't say nothing about water right there. You know what? It don't. Not right there. But there's another spot that does. Now, you remember that temple mount 
And we've talked about before, the foundations of that temple, folks, was laid by God. Okay? They weren't bricks laid by a man. We've, we've looked at it and we've studied about it before and, and the references are made that the foundations of that temple, the foundations of the city of David were laid by God. And when Abraham was looking for a place that the foundations weren't made by man, people try to say, well, that's metaphoric. It wasn't metaphoric. He wasn't just looking for it. He found it. It was that city, Jerusalem. That special place. And when Jesus comes back, folks, that's where he's going. He's going home. He's going to this special place. That's what it's talking about right here. And people are going to gather in that gate. That spot's there now. That spot was there in Nehemiah's day. And you don't think this is not the spot where God would say, I want my people to gather together? I guarantee it was. Gather together and do what? To have burnt offerings, to hear God's word. Now, let me show you something else about that spot. Look at Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47. In verse 1, afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house. That's the same spot in God's house, in the tabernacle. And behold, waters issued from under the threshold of the house eastward. Now in DMI, didn't it say they were on the east side too? For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under from the right side of the house and at the south side of the altar. Now, folks, we looked in that verse 46, and it talked about Jesus returning back through that east gate. Now, the east gate of the wall is in direct line to the east gate of the Temple Mount, and it all goes right, right. You can just follow it in a straight line. If the temple was there today, you could just follow it in a straight line through the east gate all the way back to the Holy of the Holies of the Temple. I'm telling you, back in Nehemiah's time, I bet you they referred to this spot as the water gate. You know why? Because you can reconcile all these scriptures I just told you together. That's how you know stuff's right. But when you think about what they were doing, I mean, folks, thousands of years ago, these men were standing on the spot that Jesus is going to come back one day and they were preaching and teaching his word and the people just had revival over it. They were convicted over it. They wept over God's word. I, I was thinking about that this morning and, and I remember I went to I can't remember the lady's name. I used to go to church and there was a little old lady and years I was a kid and I don't pay that much attention to adults when you're a kid sometimes. But this lady always kind of distracted me a little bit because when the preacher would say something she liked, she always had a hanky in her hand. And she would go like this. And that hanky would just flap like that. And when I was when I was listening to this and Nehemiah was reading this and the people he'd read some and the people have their hands in the air and they bow their heads to the ground. 
in supplication before God. I was thinking about that little old lady because she did the same thing. The preacher had preached something. He preached some truth out of this book. And the reason she had that hanky in her hands because she cried through most of the services. And I thought she was just a strange old woman most of the time when I was a kid. But she was a nice lady and she loved the Lord. And isn't it strange that that still makes an impression on me today? So you need to ask yourself the question. Do you worship where you're supposed to worship? Do you come to the gate of the Lord and listen to his word? You're supposed to come to the gate and listen to the truth. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go to a place that preaches the truth. That's not people's first considerations nowadays. It's not. But folks, it's important. God said it's important. He said, bring your kids so they can learn. If they don't know anything, get them up here. Let them listen to God's word. Let them learn to fear God. Tell them about that God of the Old Testament. Tell them about that, the God that, that loved David. Tell them about the things that are important. Let them read the, the right things that are going to help them in this life and in the next one. All right, well, I'm over time. I didn't even get to chapter 9, so maybe next time. Anybody got a question or a comment? Well, you know what? I mean, you can do that. You can have fun and you can have activities, but that shouldn't be the first thing you think about, you know? That shouldn't be the very first thing because uh, they're going to be spiritually not growing, you know, if they're not. You know the, the Bible verses I remember the best, the ones I learned when I was like this tall? That You know why? I think that's because when you're little and your brain's, you know, you're young and your brain's just like a sponge and it can retain things better. I mean, I, I still remember the first verse. And what, what I mean by that is I can quote the first verse I ever learned. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man heareth my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. Revelation 3 and 20. I learned that thing when I was like five years old. I never forgot it. I tried to learn other verses all the time. And for some reason, I cannot remember them like I remember that one. It's important. All right. We thank you for your attention in today's lesson. If you would like to attend class in person, it's held every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 4340 Edgemont Drive in Abilene, Texas.